Hello, and welcome back to Forever Faith, a podcast where we work through our issues of real life and our faith. We are currently reading The Reason for God by Timothy Keller. Let's get going. to the Forever Faith Podcast. I'm here with Ethan. Hello. And Ryan. Howdy, howdy. And uh, let's get into this. So, uh, Ryan, yeah? what's new? Oh, my goodness. So much stuff. So we just had uh, Christmas. We had New Year's. I had the opportunity to uh, see both my wife's family and my family at separate times for Christmas. Uh, and I got to say, I'm very, very grateful for that time. It's uh, not al- always that I get to see them for multiple days in a row. Sometimes I only get to see them for one or two days and I have to get back for work. Uh, so it was very life-giving to uh, just see them for a while. Uh, also, I just would like to add, hi, Mom. Yeah, I definitely get that. I've been in uh, Yuma, Arizona for just about the past month. Past month. And nice. we finally got to go out and visit my uncle in uh, San Diego while we were down there. Closest we've ever been to him. That's and, great. Uh, yeah, it was pretty great. The first time we went out to see him, we were picking up the rest of my family from the airport. And we stayed the night like just on the floor in his living room because <laughs> they're in a nice little condo there. Very Real nice, nice house, though. And, uh, obviously, my, well, I call them the nephews. That's all you need to know. My <laughs> nephews love me. I'm the great Uncle Mert. I can see that. And, uh, then we got I to can't. go back again on Christmas Day and spend we a can couple argue more about days it later. over there. It was really nice. Very nice. Um... Ethan, uh, do you want to start now, or do you want to fight about the merits of Merritt being a great uncle later? Uh, we can do that later. All right, sounds good, sounds good. Hey, uh, what did you do for uh, Christmas? See, any, see uh, anybody? Funny enough, I was in Arizona, too. <laughs> really? Are you guys hanging out? Uh, we tried, but it didn't work out. Oh, uh, you couldn't cross paths, huh? I left. <laughs> okay. I was only there for, like, a week. I see. That's pretty weak. Ah, uh, it is. Hey-o. Pretty weak. Uh-huh. Uh, Hilarious. Uh, super. Uh, no, I was there with my grandparents. Um, we didn't do much. I went driving. Uh, loved driving on those canyon roads. Very cool. Um, and that's all we really did. So, so what's different driving on the canyon roads versus to driving on the roads here in Minnesota? I've never driven in Arizona myself, so I have um, no idea. There are... Uh, they're not straight. They're they're all curves. I see. So and also you're like high up on these canyons. So like, and there's no guardrails when you turn. Oh really? So it's really fun. It gets your adrenaline going when you go 30 on there. I'm sorry. That sounds terrifying. 40 maybe. Oh my goodness. Okay. Uh yeah. My mom didn't want to drive back because that was the plan. We were gonna go. I was gonna drive one way, and then she was gonna drive back the other way, and. She didn't do that because she was scared. <laughs> so Yeah, I don't blame her for sure. Yeah. 
I'm just time. trying to figure out if she was so scared about driving, why she would let you drive the way back. I've seen the way you drive. <laughs> uh, it ain't that safe. <clears throat> yeah, no, you're totally correct. Uh, but, you know. Yeah, I, w- I would just like to remind our listeners that uh, Merritt and Ethan are high schoolers. Uh, hey, and hey, that hey, fully hey, explains um, uh, what's happening with this whole driving conversation. So, I'm a great driver. Yep, right. and they're speechless, so take that as you will. I am not speechless. I can back that up. I've only been in one car wreck, all right? Uh, so let me ask fault. you a question. Have you ever been in a car wreck? Yes, I oh, flipped. Oh, oh, wait, I you flipped. just said you I have. I flipped eight times. You want to know why? I wasn't even driving, all right? You Why, why are you trying to increase that number? It was seven, bud. Oh, it was seven. Seven times. I'm sorry. I you did know, not nobody, try to increase you know, that number. The fact that you right. flipped over in a vehicle uh, even one time is uh, we're grateful you're still okay, buddy. Yeah, no. And you know what? That was still all your guys' fault. Hey, it was not mine. You know, maybe let's move on. Uh, that's yeah, uh, we, we, we're we can talk about this. We can oh, boy. All right. Well. Hey, hey, you know what's fun? You did 360s, I did flips, all right? Um, yeah. I was in a roller coaster, okay? The joys of being a high school driver. Oh, I remember 18. the days. I remember the days. I'm just kidding. I, I had my own fair share of not driving safe. Um, there was one time uh, when I was uh, heading out to a friend's house and it, icy roads and I was going too fast. Um, and I realized that I was going too fast just in time to go around a curve in the road. Um, and I had tried to slow down leading up to the curve, didn't slow down enough. Um, and actually I, I, I ended up below the speed limit by the time I got to the curve, but you know how it goes. It still wasn't enough. So I ended up in the ditch, which was not that's a why, fun experience. That's why you hit the e-brake. That would have been a great way to end up further in the ditch, I think. But whatever. Is what it is. Motorcycle riders can tell you about going too fast. Yeah. You know, the speed mirage. You get those certain distance out. Mm-hmm. Or heat mirages and that. Sure. Well, when you're doing that on a motorcycle, there's a point where you're going fast enough where you can't stop and slow down and see anything in the road past that because it'll make any road just look straight so you could come up to a curve and have the curve be in that mirage oh that's so weird and like you won't be able to turn so okay wait a second you called it a speed mirage is that a symptom of just going so fast that your eyes can't keep up uh Mm. it's kind of just like the heat mirage that you get when you're driving but like it can get a lot worse when you're going faster i guess i don't uh, I know the heat mirage a little bit, but it's never been bad enough to, like, distort the road all that much. No, when you're going, I've been told that when you're going 120 or faster. Wow, that's amazing. You can go fast enough that. That you can't um, even tell anymore. Like, it, you can't see anything far enough out. Sure. Pat, like, through it to uh-huh. actually be able to, like. Be prepared for it. Have the reaction time, sure. For That's legal reasons, me and Merritt have not gone past 120 miles per hour. Yeah, so uh, just looking at their faces, it for does legal look reasons, like I have not gone past 70. For legal reasons, I have not gone past 65. 
Um, are we going to keep lowering this Are you telling number? me that you don't go the speed limit on 35? Are you telling me you went on 35? Oh, yeah, I've gone on 35. Okay, oh, this is I getting haven't. ridiculous. All right, so anyway, listeners, thank you for making it this far. If you have made it this far, we are going to reward you by changing gears and heading into book club. As you remember, we are talking about The Reason for God by Timothy Keller. We started chapter six this time around. Uh, some of us book. read it more recently than others. We can talk about that. Um, but this chapter is titled, Has... Nope, that's not the title. I wrote it down wrong because I'm great at podcasting. The chapter is titled, Science Has Disproved Christianity. And so we're talking about the idea uh, that many people have that science and Christianity are opposing viewpoints, that they cannot coexist, they cannot happen at the same time. So I just want to start this off by uh, asking you guys, have you ever heard this argument? Uh, I personally have not. Okay. Even, if you can't tell, me and Maris forces apart. Um, I think we got it by now. Thanks, Ethan. <laughs> Uh, no, I have not really heard anything about science disproving uh, religion or yeah, Christianity, anything like that. Right. Uh, Merritt? I actually have, and usually it's not by somebody who actually really knows what they're talking about, because there is a lot of things that say, like, science has actually proved existence of Jesus. Sure. So... Usually it's they've heard one basic thing from science and then thought, well, those can't coexist. So, Right. Well, I, I think it's worthwhile to um, he hear the argument and hear it, um, kind, of, kind of what it says, first of all. Um, and, and so uh, specifically many individuals um, struggle, especially with the very beginning of the Bible, with the origin of life. Where does life come from? Uh, especially in context of evolution, right? So, like, if, if God just made everything, they're saying that evolution didn't happen. Um, we know evolution happened, therefore the Bible cannot be true. Or vice versa, saying, hey, the Bible tells us about the origin of life. God created everything, therefore science can't be right about evolution. And so there's this kind of dichotomy that has been built up over the years. Uh, kind of people making claims saying, hey, I must be right, therefore every other option must be 100% wrong. Um, a, sec a second thing that kind of builds into this is the idea of miracles. Do you guys know what a miracle is? It was a miracle that I survived that crash. You know, I think that's a great example. There's a mi miracles that happen even today. There's things that just don't seem like they should happen, but they do anyway. I would say miracle... Or luck is just anything that really defies odds and probability. Defying odds and probability. Interesting. <coughs> um, shoot. That's an interesting definition. I haven't really thought of that before. You know, I, th I think a lot of people, when they think of miracles, especially in the Bible, it's, um, you know, people getting healed from... Uh, illnesses or demons getting cast out of them or things like that. Um, but yeah, that definitely defies probability, right? Like suddenly becoming healed from an illness you've had for years. That's uh, pretty crazy. Um, how, how would you uh, talk about 
uh, kind of how science proves the Bible. You mentioned that there's some uh, things out there that talk about that. You know, how, how would you add that into a conversation? Well, if you're talking about the Bible itself in the text, then, like, we have some of the original texts written on stone and on old pages and everything. Like, the actual <laughs> texts and words from the people who wrote these stories, we have that. So, yeah, that's proven. Right. So, yeah, we can use historical and literary analysis to... Uh, kind of get into the mindset of these people to see whether they were being honest, dishonest, uh, what they were sharing, why they were sharing it, that kind of thing. Absolutely. Uh, Ethan, how do you respond when you hear the phrase, uh, you cannot be a scientific thinker and believe in God at the same time? I feel like you could. I feel like, to me, science and religion isn't related like religion is one thing and science is another thing and a lot of people I feel like are trying to or from what I've heard from you guys is a lot of people are trying to like put the two and two together sure try and put them on the same level yeah and I for one I don't think that would be possible that would work because you're taking one thing from like a long time ago and applying it to today's standards or today's mm. facts and fiction mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like i don't really i don't really think that's how it should work or like mm -hmm. i don't know <laughs> no that's fair i know <laughs> see the problem with this conversation is just so uh you can't universalize anything you say so you know we're, we're just having a conversation with kind of where we're at right now and that's okay um i don't know i i struggle with this conversation sometimes because there's a lot of people out there s smarter than me, right? You know, uh, you guys know that. That's true. <laughs> but no, I mean, there, there's people who do science for a living, right? They, they think deeply about these things. Um, you know, I, I'm a pastor, so I essentially I do Christianity for a living, if you want to put it that way. Um, and yet there's people who think so much deeply about these things than I do. And so uh, sometimes I question myself, like, am I actually thinking through all the things that need to be thought through? Um, and and that, that's why I love these conversations is because we can kind of uh, point out things that we've heard, things that we've thought about. Um, I, I love the idea that a miracle is something that's statistically improbable. How did you say that? A uh, miracle is just something that defies the odds or defies beats the, the odds. odds. Sure, so sure, So, like, sure. think about doctors any movie or something or just in real life when the odds don't stack up against somebody surviving from the disease or even having more time they would say it it would take a miracle for them right but they're still saying that it's possible right but still you look at science and uh faith faith you say or in the bible it says all things are possible with God by your side. Mm -hmm. And the only thing that's, there's nothing that's really impossible. It's a true statement. It's just, we, when something is so improbable mm -hmm. that like it's one in a billion, one in a trillion, we right. say that it's impossible. It would never happen. Right. Yet 
what are the odds of all the correct, like, in their theory of how the world was created, what are the odds of all that combining perfectly to create us? All the sure. odds of the different chances of who we can be from genetics, all those possibilities, what are the odds that we are who we are? Sure, yeah. Things happen all the time that are supposed to be impossible. Hmm. So I don't see a difference. The only thing that's there's there's nothing that's impossible. It's just improbable. Right. Yeah, and I think uh, I I actually want to push back a little bit, and I'm going to give some examples that people struggle with. Um, and so they say that uh, miracles are actually scientifically impossible. Uh, because, you know, some people believe miracles are different than just uh, s- things that are statistically improbable, but includes things that are statistically impossible. And, and so they would actually say the Bible cannot be true, or at least it's not a reliable account. Why? Because there's miracles in there. For example, we see people rise from the dead, right? And so, so they would make that argument. They would say, well, people don't rise from the dead. And so if the Bible says they did rise from the dead, therefore the Bible must be wrong, right? How, how, do, you, how do you think people would respond to the idea of, you know, Jesus rising from the dead? Well, people rise from the dead nowadays. Tell me about that. Well, you get a defibrillator. <laughs> sure. You, I mean, you, you might have a 50-50 chance of getting up and on your feet again. Sure, but sure. Let, let, me, let me be more specific. Um, I, I think we're in technicality territory on that one with defibrillators so your heart stops you're quote declared dead um but they bring you back almost immediately we're 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 talking about jesus or lazarus who were in the grave for three days right you know different i don't know i mean i guess there might be something out there but i don't know of any examples of someone being brought back with a defibrillator after that long well back in those days there used to be bells next to grave sites so if you were still alive you'd ring the bell right i i think that's a more recent addition since bible times but i have heard that story yes well i'm just trying to take everything that i sure so 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 the idea is that someone wasn't actually dead yeah so (coughs) maybe that would have happened sure so so i hear you actually trying to take um kind of scientific reasoning and try and apply reasons why people thought a miracle happened yeah, which is kind of going back to what I said earlier, right? A little bit. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. But I'm just saying, if they want to know so bad, like... There's explanations that would make sense. Yeah. What about Jesus? We, we are, we're given details in the Bible that show that he was, in fact, dead. He wasn't just... Uh, they thought he was dead. But, for example, when he's on the cross, uh, he dies, gives his last breath... They go up, they kind of stab him in the side, and a whole bunch of, like, blood and water, like, rush out of his side. That's something that happens to a dead body, right? So that's actually, like, scientifically, that's something that cannot happen if your blood is still circulating through a heartbeat. That's not something that is possible to happen if there's anything else. It's your, all the liquids in your body are beginning to settle out. And so we actually know Jesus was dead and, in fact, not just appearing dead. How would you explain that? What if that wasn't Jesus? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, we're getting a conspiracy like? theory yeah. now. Oh, my goodness. Uh, no, nah, I'm, I'm just... No, no, I know. You're goofing. That's fine. Yeah. 
Um, well, and I, I think I think here's a fundamental difference in this conversation. I think is um, for a scientist, right? Someone who's purely and only a scientist, they are always going to assume that there's a natural cause. That there's only a natural cause. Right? I, I have a question. Yeah. I don't know if you said this before, but like, sure. If you're a scientist uh-huh. and you believe in God, yep. What, what, what would happen then? Like, what? Uh, nothing. Um, you know, I think Timothy Keller talks about this later in this chapter, actually, but um, he kind of talks about the different perspectives that people have when it comes to combining uh, science and faith, and. One of them, which is actually very, very common in the scientific community, is that they don't interrupt each other at all, right? So it's, you know, we need to be careful not to only ever listen to one perspective, right? You know, we we would be uh, in trouble if we decided to say that science is always only right, therefore the Bible must be wrong, or the Bible is only ever right, therefore science must always be wrong, uh, because we don't understand everything perfectly, right? You know, what? one of the big issues is the very opening chapters of the Bible, Genesis, how God created the world. You know, that's where people kind of have issues combining uh, the origin of life according to God and the origin of life according to evolution. You know, Timothy Keller says it um, well when he talks about how there's a difference between the evolutionary process, so a scientific process, and uh, the philosophical naturalism that uh, ties in with evolution. So essentially what that means is how we live based on this belief in evolution, how it affects everything. You know, it's when we take evolution and we apply it to our lives and we apply it to how we live and we apply it to how we think, then we're getting into philosophy. We're not in provable science anymore. Uh, and so, so he makes a differentiation between the natural theory of evolution, you know, that science has some evidence for versus the what he quotes as the all encompassing theory about absolutely everything, which no theory should kind of fit into that category. Right. All right. Let's let's do an example. Um, let's say you uh, are at a friend's house and you're on the way out and you go to your car. It's on the street and you have to walk to your car a little bit and suddenly you hear a chink 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 and your keys fall out but you don't notice it right away right so you go to your car you try and find your keys shoot i lost my keys what do you do go find your keys go find your keys how oh first you want to retract your steps sure retract your steps but ethan i gotta tell you yeah it's really dark it's really dark it's really really dark how are we gonna find your keys Take out your phone and use your flashlight. Oh, no, your phone's dead. How are we going to find your keys? Luckily, there's there's a street light. Uh, oh, there's there's street actually light? a couple of street lights uh, with li- little, little uh, spotlights of light shining down. Where are you going to start looking? Actually, I wouldn't start looking there. I would go back to my friend's house, look for a flashlight, get a <laughs> flashlight, and come back. All right, all right. Let's follow follow the analogy here. Yeah, follow I, the I, analogy. Will, I will. That's I'll funny. Go. That's yeah. funny. Merritt, Mer- what do you think? What would you do? Kick r- kick everything around, see if you can hear the little jingle. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Uh, would you check under the streetlights first? Not if I didn't walk under one. You definitely walked under a couple of them. 
Okay, then I might, I might not. I would probably just slowly retrace my steps exactly the way back, which then I would check under a couple. But isn't it harder to find your keys in the dark? Not necessarily. Yeah, if you go under the light, then like your eyes adjust. Uh huh. It's easier to stay in the dark and then get used to it. Uh, that aside, let's say it doesn't matter. You got plenty <coughs> of time. Isn't it easier to find your keys in the light? A little bit. Yeah. So why would you ever start looking for your keys in the dark? Because it would be a possibility that it could be in the dark. Ah, interesting. So what you're telling me is if your keys are in the dark, then looking only in the light wouldn't be very helpful for finding your keys, is it? No. All right. I totally led you on that. I had an uh, analogy in mind. Uh, Timothy Keller gave this analogy. He quoted somebody else, and I don't remember who he quoted. So credit to whoever he quoted. Someone else can go ahead and look that up. Sorry. Um, the idea is that if science always needs a natural cause and there's a supernatural cause to something, science will never be able to explain it properly. I agree with that. That makes sense. It, it, it seems obvious when it's stated that way, right? It seems obvious that if, if there is a supernatural cause, natural explanations will never do it justice. What do you think, Meredith? Actually, I think you kind of covered that. I was just going to try to word it differently. Yeah, hey, rewording things are great. I was going to say if science can explain everything, then there wouldn't be a God, I don't think. Because then you would, it would be able to explain everything. There wouldn't be any unknown. There wouldn't be a supernatural unknown. Actually, okay, so I would. Uh, I'm, I'm going to remove the statement that there wouldn't be a God because I don't think that would necessarily be true. But I do think uh, if science could explain absolutely everything, there would be no such thing as supernatural because everything would be natural. Is that what you're trying to say? Because by definition, science explains the natural world. Sure. I'm, I'm just saying, like, if science could explain... If science was able to explain everything and how everything happened, sure, I would have a lot harder time believing that there was a God that was doing things. Oh, I that see. Was changing things. So, like, so, so, so for, for you, some of the evidence for God is in these things that should be impossible but happen anyway. Yeah. So, so like for me, like that's actually true for me in some ways as well. So, like Jesus rising from the dead, I personally am very convinced that that is true. That's a historical fact, that Jesus was dead and then he was alive. Well, isn't that all the facts that everybody wants to for proof? That he can, like, walk on water, save my mom, do this, do Turn that. Turn water into wine. All the, right. the <clears throat> things that everybody wants for proof that he lives is mm -hmm. something that they can't explain. Right. So he is, I, right. I would think that the fact that there are things that are unexplainable is the proof that he is. Right, absolutely. Alive. You know, there, there's a point in the Bible where Jesus goes back to his hometown. And they, they're not believing. They, they don't understand him. They don't believe in him. They're like, oh, Jesus, you're a magician now. Show us a magic trick, essentially. I'm paraphrasing, obviously. Um, and he doesn't. He's been performing miracles in every town he goes to up until this point, 
And when his hometown, they ask him to, he doesn't give him anything. Why? Because he knows that it's not going to be enough. He could do anything. He could blow their minds. He could show them that he is God. And they still wouldn't believe because they weren't interested in finding the truth. They were interested in getting a show. Well, that happened in the Bible, didn't it? There was, I forget what the whole cause of it or who was doing things. Maybe maybe it was Moses or mm-hmm. something. But, like, they were trying to prove, like, turning the river red. and Oh, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Mag- like, somebody had signs or magicians make a river red and they right. could do all that stuff. Right, so that so that was uh, Moses when he was confronting yeah. Pharaoh, trying to pull Israel out of slavery. Um, right, so what what was it? The uh, the river turned to blood, um, and the scientists or the well, I guess magicians, I guess they called themselves. Uh, they put together something, and it appeared that they were able to make water turn into blood as well. Uh, we don't know how they did it. We have a lot of theories for it. Uh, but they were trying to argue that what Moses did, did was actually a magic trick. It was actually just a natural phenomenon that he used to trick. Uh, oh, look, there's a bunch of frogs swarming the whole city. Look, we can let frogs out of a gate, too. And so their whole job was to try and explain away what Moses was doing. Do you remember how that story ended? I can't remember. The, the last plague to come across Egypt was the death of the firstborn of every family in Egypt. The only way to avoid that fate was for the individual families and people in each household to uh, kill a young lamb, and there were criteria on this, don't need to get into it now, and paint the blood gross on the doorframe of their home. And if they did that, that was the sign that they were obedient to God, that the angel of death that showed up that night would see that on their doorstep, wouldn't go inside, move on to the next. Every single firstborn in Egypt was killed that night, including Pharaoh's own son. You can't really explain that. You know, there's heavily guarded places. Uh, You know, there's no reports of break-ins, right? That's something that there's no longer a way to explain it away. And I, I think the last few plagues you couldn't really explain away either. But when, when someone doesn't want to believe something, they're not going to regardless of the evidence. And I think that's... A, shoot, I didn't want to get political, but we see that all over time right now in America, right? And, and I, I say that fully acknowledging that this is everybody. This isn't just one party or one group of people. This is everybody in every direction you look. You see people just ignoring truth and just ignoring how the world works and just ignoring what matters in life. And it makes me sad because, man, we need to be taking care of each other right now. We can't afford to just decide I'm not going to listen to truth anymore. I'm not going to believe even if there's something I need to be paying attention to. And there was a soapbox. So thank you, everybody, for listening to Pastor Ryan's Soapbox for the Day. All right. So how how what, what do we do from here? How do we move on? What what do we think about science? What do we think about Christianity? Um, you know, obviously none of us started in the place where, you know, I don't think they go together at all. Right. That's not us. Our experience has been um, 
kind of having a little bit of uh, understanding that we can't explain everything, right? That, that miracles do happen. We've, we've experienced them. I've experienced them. Um, I'm sure we could go around and tell stories of things that didn't happen. Ethan, you talked about a car accident you were in that you probably shouldn't have survived. You rolled, what is it, 15 times? 20, actually. 20, 20 times? Yeah, Merritt's just not even going to go after that one. How many was it actually, Merritt? Seven. Seven. Okay, there you go. Um, you know, I, I have a friend who uh, was actually healed. You know, he, he had, uh, he was deaf or almost deaf in one ear um, uh, until a, a day we were in a worship service at our church and we were praying for him and he started being able to hear out of his ear again because we were praying for that. And that was just this crazy thing that I saw and I can't deny that. I can't fight against that. I knew that he couldn't hear out of his ear. He wasn't getting medical help or attention for him. We didn't do anything except for pray for him. And boom, he was able to hear out of that ear again. So, I, you know, I absolutely believe in miracles. Uh, I think that's a real thing. You know, I think that seems to be how Jesus did it, too. You know, when Jesus went into towns, uh, he performed miracles. How? By healing the sick, by raising the dead, by casting out the demons, by uh, providing food where there was no food. Um, you gave the example of water into wine, you know, Jesus' first miracle is at a party, which is hilarious. You know, that so wasn't I, the first one, was it? It was. Well, what what do you think the first one was? I thought that was like at the last meal was when he did that. Oh, no, no. This is his first miracle. At the very, very beginning when Jesus was just about to begin his ministry was when the water and the wine one happened. Um, I don't, I'm trying to think, I don't think there was an explicit miracle performed at the last supper. I think that was when he did some teaching about communion and about, um, the bread and the wine making symbolism to how he was going to be, uh, killed and, um, that represents how he's going to save the world. <coughs> okay. Um, well, this has been a really good, it's been a really good episode. There's kind of ending on a open end, but. That's kind of how it all works, doesn't it? Yeah, that's can't okay. explain everything. So. <laughs> yeah, we can't talk about everything, and yeah, it's true. Well, I guess that's all for this episode, I think. Mm-hmm. Does anybody, Ethan, you want to add anything? Uh, I want to add that if you have any questions for us, you can uh, email us at, uh, uh, what is it, Forever Faith pod at gmail.com um, can, can you say that one again what what's that email address it is forever faith pod at gmail.com uh, we would really appreciate it if you would send in some questions um, yeah that'd be great mm-hmm well I guess that's all thank you Ethan so this has been episode s- seven. Seven. Yep. Of the Forever Faith podcast. I'm Merritt. I'm Ethan. And I'm Ryan. And that's all. Thanks, guys.